It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of February. It's trade deadline day. We'll look at the latest deals that went down last night, what they mean, and the impact on the Western Conference. How are the Jazz doing? What's the mood of the team? And we'll look at the win over the Suns. It's trade deadline day, Locked On Jazz edition, coming up now. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. Hope everyone's doing great today. The trade deadline special, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, will come your direction uh, on the Locked on Fantasy Basketball YouTube channel. We'll have it for you there. Josh Lloyd and I will be hosting it and it will be our first ever Locked On Podcast Network live show. And since so much of you have been an integral part of building this podcast network, I thank you very much uh, and hope you tune into it. Uh, so we'll have that. I'll be hosting it with Josh. We'll have all our local experts as well uh, coming up. So the uh, jazz, the trade deadline is today. Nothing has been done as I record this at 8.27 in the morning. Uh, the, the, the feeling I get around the team is they need to, it needs to move forward. They, they, a smart move. They didn't practice today. Um, I, it just feels as though this has lingered. Um, there's enough guys that are impacted. There's actually enough guys that aren't impacted. Uh, we've seen the disaster that is the Lakers right now. And it just feels like there's going to be, you know, a deep sigh at uh, at one o'clock Mountain Time today that will allow for everyone to kind of move forward. And I think then hopefully the Jazz um, will be able to, to kind of regain their vibe. I, I, you know, it's wearing on everyone in the league. You have that coupled with the trade, the All Star break coming. Um, it it feels as though it's it's a much needed, um, much needed break that's coming up. I think just because of the fatigue of everything taking place. Uh, I didn't think the Jazz were very good last night. They beat the Suns. I don't know what um, is the right answer here on how you evaluate a a team when you're playing someone as badly as who's as bad as Phoenix. Um, and what I mean by that is I thought the Jazz were really poor between the second and third quarters last night. And then on the other end, by the time it was the fourth quarter, we went to, as we went to break, I asked uh, Thurl, what do you expect from the team? And, you know, what do you want to see early in the fourth quarter? He's like, I, I want to see them put the hammer down. And that's really exactly uh, what the Jazz did. So I don't know 
whether or not this is, you know, you can criticize the Jazz for how they played last night. I just thought, and also Ron Boone pointed out, you know, they had had enough um, days off in a row that they kind of had lost a little bit of their vibe, I think, and rhythm, um, which is the one problem. You get physically fresh, but I think Ron and every player says they'd rather play every other day, you know, um, and, and if they if you're doing it every other day, then um, you, you're able to just kind of stay at your peak performance level. Uh, and I, so I didn't think the Jazz were particularly good last night. The thing that's interesting to me that's going on is, uh, and the numbers are great on last night. So if we if we did our regular run through the numbers, uh, last night was as good a defensive performance as we've had all season long. Probably should be, in all honesty. That's the Without Devin Booker, that's probably the worst offensive team in the league. Um, and the Jazz, you know, did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, I'll admit, I got, I was a little kind of, I don't know, I, I just got a little up, little nervous in this late third quarter that Phoenix was still hanging around. And then Phoenix has enough high draft picks that you began to wonder whether or not you get into a play by possession by possession game and they start to make some plays. And uh, luckily, the Jazz just avoided that. So I, I, my point is, I guess, you know, I didn't think we were very good last night, but I'm not sure it's a night where you're going to criticize or even worry about it. They didn't need to be very good last night. When they needed to be good, they were, and they got the win. And that's, you know, to, to the extent that that's what we should be probably worrying about. It was the eighth best defensive performance of the season, the 18th best offensive performance, and they won by 28. Probably should move on. Uh, so I will do exactly that. I do want to point out, Um, The Jazz ability, the offensive system that Quinn has built and the Jazz ability to just get corner threes is an unbelievable. uh, Rudy rolls, teams try to take away the rim, Donovan drives, Jazz are playing a little faster. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's a fact. And they are just living out of the corners right now. It, It is it is incredible. That is the number. You know, it's 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 as though they're saying, okay, if you want to. Take away the rim, that's fine, but then we're going to shoot a ton of corner threes. We've shot nine or more corner threes in every game uh, since the Cavalier game on the eight, Clipper game on the 16th. We took eight, and then uh, seven, I mean, seven against Chicago, but it's been over 10 in every other game or nine. Last night was six of 10 from the corner threes. We're just not a very good above the break three point shooting team, and we have, and we're actually in a tremendous above-the-break three-point shooting slump that because we're taking so many corner threes, I don't think anyone's noticed. Um, I kind of keep scanning the numbers, looking at it, and then realizing what's going on. But over the, since the uh, game against the Detroit Pistons on the 14th, uh, and I could probably back this up even further if I wanted to. Actually, I probably should. It's Go to the, the fifth. It's actually even more daunting. The Jazz are shooting 30% on above-the-break three-point shots. 30%. Like, that actually begins to be poor enough that, like, some above-average mid-range shots are a better idea. Uh, If you take it to January 5th, the Jazz are shooting 31% on above-the-break threes. Uh, So, a little bit disconcerting, and it has to do with Jay's not shooting at a very high percentage, though not a bad one, actually. He's just... Um, and Joe's not quite as high a percentage, and you know Ricky's never a high percentage shooter. So I think it's a um, it's a little unnerving right now to see the Jazz 
uh, having this many shooting issues, frankly, and wondering on the above the break three. But, boy, it's nice to see them get those corner threes because it covers up uh, all of those weaknesses uh, that the Jazz have. The... um, Let's see. Why would it be? Why would it be? I was just running a formula here because the last, it's even, if you go to the, since the Denver game, it's even a little bit more daunting um, of how much the Jazz have struggled. And then, and so I will look at it for you again. Uh, They're 39 of their last 135 on above the break three. So 29% since the 27th against Minnesota. Uh, that's that's just not going to get it done. Uh, I want to take a second and talk about Royce O'Neal. I really think that Royce O'Neal is just doing some some great great things uh, as a basketball player. The development's terrific. You know, early in the year, I was talking with Royce, and we were talking about the off season he had, and um. How you know he was following Donovan around, and did he get exposed to anything? And I thought it was going to be really curious to see how Royce played this year because he, he'd spent the time with Donovan as a star, following with him as his buddy. Uh, he'd been around Harden, he'd been around these guys, and I thought when the year started, Royce tried to stretch a little bit beyond what he had done before. And I said at the time, I thought it was a good thing. I thought it might not be the most productive thing for the team, but I thought it was a good thing. Uh, for Royce, like you're pushing yourself, you're trying to be better. He has found a groove to who he is now, and his improvement from a year ago in so many areas is just terrific. He's attacking the rim beautifully. He's finishing at 64% at the rim, uh, which is one of the better percentages for a guard in the league, actually. Um, He is now shooting the three at a very, very high level, which is, you know, just purely work, time, and development. Uh, He's been shooting it either coincidentally or directly well be- since the time that Kyle Korver came and that they're having shooting games against each other. And I just think it's a great story. Here's a guy who's 6'6", 25 and a half years old, just about 26, um, whose you know, usage rate is in like the lowest percentage of players in the league, uh, completely understands his role. His points per shot attempt now is at one of the highest of any players in the league. Uh, he's, you know... He's really, his effective field goal percentage on the season is 61% right now. He's having, you take out, cleaning the glass takes out um, the time that includes heaves and uh, garbage time. And his numbers are great. And his shot frequency is just beautiful. Um, He's in the 88th percentile of the percentage of his shots at the rim. He's in the 43rd percentile of his shot percentage or percentage of shots at the threes and then making it. He's now in the 82nd percentile of rim shots, 98th percentile of non-corner threes, 72 percentile of corner threes of wing players in the NBA. Really cool. He really has developed into a nice player and deserves a huge amount of credit. All right, let's dig into the trade and all of that uh, when we as we continue. That's probably where most of your focus is, but I wanted to comment on last night where I thought the team was and tip a hat to Royce O'Neal as well. Uh, today's show, it, we'll look at the trades, what's happened, and the impact. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. Intercap Lending 
is a really neat company. Uh, they was bought by Josh Romney. They've been around for 40 years. They moved to Utah uh, probably about 18, 20 months ago, maybe a little longer than that. And they've just, ex- since then, they've just exploded. And it's cool to see. Uh, I hope that we're a part of it. They've gone from two branches to 11 since they've been advertising with us. Uh, but I think the real story is the relationships they're building. They have real estate agents that are coming to them because they get deals done. In a day and age where they're hyper-responsive, they embrace change, they make sure the borrower experience is good, they're doing things a little differently. They service their own loans. We did our refinance with them. They still own that loan, uh, have not shipped it off. And what it means is they have no overlays, no additional requirements, direct lender. They get difficult loans done. Do you own multiple properties? You have your own business. You're self-employed. That can make it difficult. Reasons you might have low credit, that can do it as well. Steve Carter's amazing. He works with the Locked On Jazz. This is, I love this. They've built one guy who works with our listeners to give us a corporate discount on it. So if you want to do, if you're going to uh, look for a lending, call Intercap Lending, 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. 8528, that's directly to Steve Carter. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. And again, Steve's number, 385-800-8528. Tell me how your experience is with Intercap Lending. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there were a bunch of deals that went down. Um, With the Jazz, I don't know specifically what's taking place. Um, We can start to eliminate some of the names. Otto Porter's off the books. Harrison Barnes is off the books. Um... Nikola Mirotic is still out there. Mike Conley is still out there. Those are names that have been circulated around the Jazz. Um, I think they're they're interesting uh, for two reasons on both these deals we sit here today. What? Nikola Mirotic for a two-month rental who has not been particularly healthy, maybe is just wants to be traded. Are you willing to give up a first-round pick for that? I'm not sure. If, if Kyle Korver, Rodney Hood... Those type players are yielding two seconds. Is Miritich that much better than them? Uh, and is there any reason why you know you want him for a um, in the in the sense you want him as a uh, bird right? You get his free agency. The other one that's tricky on Miritich, if you're the Jazz and you're interested, and I, I don't know that they are. I'm just playing with this for a second, and we can do this together, is if you go to the ESPN trade machine and try to figure out the deal, you can do it without trading favors. And you can probably do it by just giving them, you know, 
expiring deals. So you're going to trade them. You can, you can, we can get to $12 million of expiring contracts without using favors and without using Jay. Um, so that's possible. The question then gets to be, like, what about the rotation? Does Faves just become a backup center at that point? And your fours are Miritich and Crowder, and is Faves okay with that for the final two months? Like, there's a lot of chemistry issues that have to get straightened out there um, to try to figure that out. Uh, Otto Porter got moved yesterday, and I've heard some people, why not us? From the looks of that trade, which was Jabari Parker and um, Bobby Portis, I think there was a pretty big money savings that went on there for Washington. Um, so Washington, Otto Porter was $26 million, Jabari was 20 and Bobby Portis was 2 So part of the key to that deal was Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis, first of all, both expiring this year. I think Jabari's um, deal is expi- expires at the end of the year. Uh, but then also just a subtle $4 million savings for the Washington Wizards, which is what they wanted to do to get out of the tax. Had the Jazz done the deal... And if the the jazz if the for the jazz to have done that deal and try to get under that same number, it would have been I think favors and Cephalosha would have been had the deal for Otto Porter, and then you have Otto Porter's contract on the books for that thirty million. Is is that what you wanted to do? Um. So. You know, I think that's from the playing with the trade machine last night. To me, that looked like what you would have had to do uh, to get that deal done. I don't know what's going to happen today, and that'll tell the end of this story, but there's something funky going on with Memphis. And maybe by the end of today, Memphis will pull all these deals off and it won't be, you know, there won't be talk of this. But remember last year, Memphis had Tyreek Evans, who everybody expected to have them trade, and then they didn't. Then they <coughs> they held out for a first-round draft pick. There really wasn't a market for a first-round draft pick, and they didn't get it. And then they held on to Tyreek Evans. The other day, Marcus Gasol packs his bag, leaves a bag around, and is supposedly going to Charlotte, that deal has not been, is not done yet. And talking to people, and actually just go off Woj's tweet, I don't need to talk to anyone. Um, Woj's tweet says there's still gaps to be filled in that deal. Mike Conley's been out there for quite a long time. Uh, The suitors have not changed. Um, I don't know any details, but that deal's not done. I do know that there was a deal that was heavily rumored involving Memphis and um, Houston, and the deal didn't go through. And then you get, last night, the reaction by 
the owner of the Grizzlies, um, at the Houston Sports Awards last night, where he said, I wish everyone was honorable as we are. What does that mean, asked someone. Well, we thought we had a deal with someone, and it turns out it just didn't happen. I don't know what that means, uh, but that was a heavily talked about deal between Memphis and Houston, and that didn't happen. It might not be what they're talking about there, but that's at least, you know, you're trying to piece pieces together. It feels like that might be something. So I don't know what's taking place with Memphis, but they have been now for 24 months the funkiest uh, trade partner that exists. There was a story yesterday that of interest that Mike Conley's agent, who is his father, um, said that his son would rather be in the Eastern Conference. Is that just simply because of All-Stars? I mean, there are some pretty good Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, East Coast point guards too. Kyle, Kyle Lowry. I, I don't know that Mike Conley makes an all-star game there either. Um, so, I don't know how to react to that. Um, that's a, you know, I, I don't know if that was quite a, I don't want to come play in Utah Derek Harper or Ronnie Sykley or what it was, but... Uh, it was a, a little bit of a strange comment there um, from Mike Conley's dad slash agent. Anthony Davis's dad has had his impact uh, as well. We'll review all the deals that went down yesterday and their impact and what they mean and some quick thoughts on them uh, as we continue uh, here today. Today's show is brought to you by my friends over at Slow the Flow. I love I love the slow the flow. first I love the slow the flow people because they're they're so creative, um, you know t- on a topic that could be frankly super boring like oh save water like they're so creative in in what they're doing and now they have and I love the fact that they're having an impact on me I I find myself sitting around every day trying to figure out like what is the next way that I can do a good job of of slowing the flow it's important it's really really important and so what can you do to slow the flow of water usage. In the past 20 years, we've been a little inconsistent. Some years it's splash, like right now, and other years it's very little. So when you combine the Utah streaky shooting and dry summers, you get some water worry. I know it's the winter. Feels like with all this snow you shouldn't do anything, but let's try something. Shorten your shower time. If you shower just one minute less every day, you save 1,875 gallons of water every year. Here's what I'm doing now. When I get in the shower, I tell my smart speaker I have to set a timer. So it beeps at me at the three-minute mark. That's I'm trying to get my showers down to three minutes, and I usually now race myself to get out and even more. Uh, an ultra-low flower flow shower head saves you 2.5 gallons every minute you shower. So if you're a big fan of Utah, do what you can. Slow the flow, save H2O. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Let's go to the deals that took place yesterday. Um, Harrison Barnes got traded by Dallas to Sacramento for Zach Randolph and Justin Johnson. I will, on the trade deadline show today, um, I will do the points gained and all these things. My initial reaction to this deal was that I really liked it for Sacramento. Um, I've always felt that Harrison Barnes has been misused and that Harrison Barnes was a guy who was underutilized in Golden State, overutilized in Dallas, and somewhere in between is a good player. On my drive home from the arena last night, I talked to two people in the league. That was not the opinion that I got from them. Um, As one person said to me, you know, he might not be good. Which I thought was an interesting comment that, you know, he he might not be good, he said. Um, And maybe that's true. And in that case, then I have to ask you, ask them a little bit of, of how they're planning to use him. The best lineup Sacramento has had this year has been Bogdanovic playing at the three with Fox and Heald. And so what they're worried about is Paul George, Kevin Durant, and someone having to guard those guys. I actually see Harrison Barnes as a four playing with that lineup, and then I kind of like him. But then what are they doing? And they have Marvin Bagley who's coming around, and there's such pressure to play Marvin Bagley. He's been very good recently, by the way, as the number two pick. And then they have Bielitsu they've been starting. So is Barnes like suddenly coming off the bench? I think that's a little funky. So it'll be interesting to see. And then the other thing is that Barnes has absolutely no defensive impact at all. From a points gain standpoint, he's a negative .7 offensive player. So maybe everyone else is right. Maybe that's not as good a pickup. It's, you've got to be a little careful right now that you don't immediately associate activity with productivity. I think that's interesting. Amon Shumpert for Alec Burks. Well, actually, Houston got Amon Shumpert, Nick Stauskas, and Wade Baldwin. <clears throat> Sacramento got Alec Burks and a second-round pick. Late second. Cav- uh, the Rockets next year. And then Cleveland got a lot of protected first-round pick. I My instinct is that Amon Shumpert is a better player than Alec Burks this year. Um, I'm not sure that's accurate either. As I looked at the numbers, Amon Shumpert's a minus .8 pack player. Alec has not been particularly productive. So that may be an immaterial change. Alec has been a minus .7. They're about the exact same inefficiency-wise. Um, Shumpert's known as a better defensive player. Is he actually, or is he just a guy that can't shoot, so we named him a defensive player? Good question. And in the open court, in transition, will Alec Burks suddenly be a better player than we saw out of him in Salt Lake and in Cleveland? Um, I don't know the answer to that. But that might be one of the thoughts of what's taking place there. Ron seemed to think so. Otto Porter to Chicago for Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. Washington's saving money. I mean, Washington's just, with John Wall out for another year, Washington is just saving money at this point. Uh, Bobby Portis is not a particularly efficient offensive player. 
He averages 14 points and 7 rebounds on that team because somebody has to. Markeith Morris to the Pelicans for Wesley Johnson. They're just saving money. Miami got Tyler John. Miami traded Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington for Ryan Anderson. And then I believe they're going to release Wayne Ellington, so he's on the market. I will tell you this. I've always liked Tyler Johnson a little bit. He's never quite put it together, but he's a high free throw usage player one year and a high three play usage player the other. And I feel as though you put those two things together. He's not going to line right now. Uh, is at 7.7%, and he could become a really efficient player. We'll see if they can do something with him in Phoenix. And then uh, there was one other deal. Stanley Johnson got traded for Thon Maker, which is a switch side. And Detroit's just done some subtle things uh, that seem pretty strong right now. So those are the kind of quick recap on the deals that went down last night. I am, I have a feeling that everyone in the Western Conference is going to get better. I think it's a lot largely going to be out of the buyout market. Um, and nothing's obviously happened yet today uh, as we finish this up at 8.52. But uh, let, as I said, be a little careful to not define activity as productivity. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Live show coming at 11.30 Mountain Time, 1.30 Eastern. 11.30 Mountain Time, 1.30 Eastern live show on YouTube, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Have a good one. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.